Hello, and welcome to the Financial Emancipation Podcast. I'm your host, Malik Branch, and this is a podcast discussing the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Thank you for joining me and welcome back for another episode. So I just want to start off the podcast by saying happy Father's Day to all the fathers, father figures, stepfathers, godfathers, uncles, brothers, and all those who play a role um, in helping to raise a child. You know, you are appreciated and, you know, Father's Day is your day to be honored for that sacrifice that you make to help, you know, build the future of another. So happy Father's Day. I hope that... um, all the fathers out there enjoy their days. You know, it's interesting to me. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm very keen and tapped into like Mother's Day and how they respond. But fathers can be so chill about Father's Day that it's really just like not one of those things where it, it, it was always easy to satisfy my dad on Father's Day. It's like, here's a card. Here's something you like to do. And it's just very simple. And so um, I think Father's Day can be a little less stressful as far as all of the, the hoopla but I did see a lot of fathers out or having barbecues. I know it's good that Father's Day is in June, particularly in New York, because fathers love to have, you know, barbecues, grilling. So I saw a lot of that. So it was really nice to see and nice to see dads being celebrated um, because, you know, moms get a lot of a lot of um, accolades for what they do to raise children. But um, as someone whose dad truly influenced like the way in which um, my ambition is set up and my 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 focus that all came from my dad um, and his the push that he gave me. I remember he used to tell me I ran track for a really long time and he used to tell me I would win like a silver medal and he would start by saying like, good job. And then he would remind me that second place was still losing and that I still had some place to go and that I had something to push towards. And my mom used to hate that. She would say like, oh, you know, are you okay with that? Like she was nervous that he was pushing me too hard. But I know that that push was what coming from him was what made me feel like, not only could I do anything, but I had the the right to do anything and that I needed to be willing to push myself if I wanted to win. And so that to me was really, that's where that came from. So happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. And um, I hope you had a good day. Um, so I wanted to talk um, today about home ownership. I've done podcasts in the past about home ownership in different ways. Um, you know, I want to start off by saying that home ownership is not the goal for everyone. Everyone doesn't have the desire, the want, the need to own a home. So we can put that on the table right now. So, you know, if, if it's not your goal to own a home, there's nothing wrong with that. You can have financial goals um, and you can be a person who builds up um, a really good financial situation and story without having to commit to home ownership. Let's just say that. Um, where you live really matters as it relates to home ownership because um, homes versus apartments. And when I say home ownership, I just mean owning any piece of property, right? So if you are someone, if you own a condo, a co-op, a townhouse, or a single family home or multifamily home, it's all the same. I, I mean that, I say that across the board. I mean the difference between paying rent and paying a mortgage. Um, but home ownership is a challenge, right? Um you know, you want to go rent an apartment, you need, in some instances, first month, um, first, first month's rent, and a security deposit, which is usually equivalent of a rent, so you need two months rent to be able to go rent an apartment, um, if you're renting an apartment for, you know, $1,500, so you need $3,000 to go rent an apartment, and again, that's a lot to come by for, for a lot of people in general, 
but to own a home, right? Especially if home home prices are anything like they can be in places like New York and LA and Chicago and, and places like that. In a lot of instances, you're required to have 20% down. You know, 20% down, we're talking that you could be spending 10, 20, $30,000 on a, on a down payment for a home. And that's a lot of money that's required to save. And so when it, when you're in a situation where you're going to go buy a home straight out and you're not going to utilize any of the many programs that have been accessible to people throughout the years, then you're talking about walking in the door with, um, with good credit, um, a, a quality, you know, a, a high enough income and 20 to $30,000 in cash to provide for your down payment. It's a huge, um, undertaking, right? So how do you get there? There are many ways that you can get there, um, but it's a challenge. And home ownership is something that um, has been on the decline more recently. After the 2008 bubble burst, um, 2008, 2009 housing bubble burst, many people who had had homes in their families for generations lost their, lost those homes. Predatory lending um, impacted extensively on, on communities of color who had had a home ownership which was on the rise and had peaked for black people in the 50s and 60s. Those pa- their parents, their grandparents, their families had these homes that had just been kind of living in the family. And at the time when the housing crisis came and those houses that had been paid off were refinanced beyond their um their value. And then um, the younger generations couldn't keep up with it and they lost their homes. So what you're seeing is many, many, many families lost homes that have been in the family for a long period of time and therefore lost the opportunity to pass down a home throughout the family. Um, I am uh, from a family that my uncle lives in the home that he was raised in, that his his parents, my grandparents bought and raised four children in. And my grandmother lived in until she had pa- until she passed away. He lives there now as he's in retirement. He owns this home and he's there. And I'm, you know, he that that home can stay in our family. You know, it's been in our family now for all these years. It could stay in our family. Um, the house that I live in is the home that I grew up in that my mother um, bought when we were young children and I own this home. And so now this home can stay in our family. And what it does is it, it provides an opportunity because again, the work had been done previously. You know, my, my grandparents had to buy that house. Um, my father was born in 48. So they had to buy that house in the, in the forties, you know, they paid it off, you know, so it, it's like, and it's a home and in an area and everything. So you're able to keep it as the, as the home um, values grow and it becomes an asset and it becomes something that can be passed down through generations. Um, but home ownership, obtaining home ownership then was not as challenging as it is now. You know, home values obviously were much lower then. And who could have a home, a quote unquote middle class family a working? You know, my grandfather worked, my grandmother didn't work. So my grandfather with his single income was able to obtain a home. My grandfather also owned other property in the area. So it's like this was a time when just being a working a middle-class working person, you could do these things. You could buy property. You could have things for your family. It's a lot challenging now, a lot more challenging now to do that. So if you want to buy a home now um, and you're black and you live in the United States of America, there are a few places where black home ownership is actually on the incline and a few places where it's on the decline. So 
there's been a lot of things that play into housing, um, home ownership, housing discrimination, um, which is very, very real and, 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 and very prevalent still, even though they've passed the Fair Housing Act maybe 50 years ago, that is still very, there's still neighborhoods that I know myself as someone who, you know, on paper should be able to go into many neighborhoods and buy a home. I know there are neighborhoods that still, there would be different um, roadblocks set up for me buying a home in those neighborhoods. I don't happen to be a person who wants to live in, I, I don't want to live in any neighborhood. I don't want to own a home in any neighborhood that does not want me there. I am not a person who aspires to live amongst people who don't want me there. So you would never find me looking for a home in a neighborhood where I would run into these things because I ain't the one. I don't want to live where people don't want me. But, and still, there is, um, there's a racial gap that exists between white and black home ownership, home, home ownership today that is extensive and is significant. And so, again, to be black and to be a person who wants to own a home, you have to understand the landscape for black people who own homes. So right now, the home ownership rate for black people is 41%. So 41% of people, of black people, are, own homes, Right? That's compared to uh, whites, 73% own homes. So of the homes that are owned, 73% are white, 41% are black. And so you see this, 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 this difference. It's a staggering difference. But if you're a black person and you want to own a home, here are the cities for which you have the highest percentage of black home ownership. That's San Jose, Los Angeles, Salt Lake City, San Antonio, and Portland. Now, I only know people who live in like two of those cities who are black. I'm just saying. Um, on the other hand, the cities with where black home ownership is the lowest relative to overall population is Memphis, which is quite surprising to me. Places down south is always surprising to me because um, I feel like there is nothing but homes down south. And I also feel like there are a lot of black people down there. But to hear these following cities, you'll be surprised. So overall population, um, lowest relative black home ownership, Memphis, New Orleans, but Baltimore, which was very surprising to me, but they're not really because Baltimore is dealing with a lot of poverty, uh, Virginia Beach and Milwaukee. So again, Virginia Beach surprised me. These are places that I see as black places, but I'm a, but I'm learning that those places um, where there where there might be a black population, those people tend to be living in poverty or poor. And so the residents in those cities, the average household income is twenty eight thousand dollars. So with a homeowner with a home with an excuse me with an income of twenty eight thousand dollars on average, home ownership is very far out of your reach. And so it's it's. It, there's a very, there's a very, there's a whole, this is a whole trifecta, right? Home ownership is property ownership, which helps to build net worth. If you have net worth, if you have an asset, if you have something for which you are building equity in, it helps to stable out your finances. If your finances are stable, you can reinvest in yourself rather than, in, rather than spend your money on things that have no value. So, you know, um, spending money on on rent, on cars, on things, things for which will not give you any type of um, wealth or anything to pass down. So you see the cycle of that, right? If we are forced, meaning we people of color are forced into renting or forced into only living into subsidized housing, we don't have anything of value that we can put, that we can have and pass down for generations. As a family as well, on my father's side of the family in Virginia, we own land. Land that was passed down from when my family had long since been enslaved by people. Very long story. But that was passed down and my grandfather and my great grandfather and those th those generations behind owned land. And we still own the land to this day as the descendants of the branch of Joshua branch and all those folks all the way long back. 
we we own this land, right? It can be passed down. It has value. That is something that was set up for the family. If you're if you're pushed into and forced into only into um into renting or into something that doesn't present uh, an equity build, then you are not able to pass any wealth down to your your children. And wealth does not have to mean a lot. It just means something, right? So if you are forced out of the property ownership because of, of, of different types of restrictions that are setting you up so that you're unable to get out of debt, that you're unable to save money, that you're unable to advance in your career and earn more money, then you're being locked out of a game, locked out of an area that will present the opportunities for generational success. Not even just generational wealth, generational success, the ability to have a successful transition from one generation to the next to make sure that the family can be okay so that children can be set up, right? You know, there's a whole, the long debate about whether or not owning a home means anything. And my position on owning a home is that owning a home may not mean anything to you this generation, you being the people who are paying it off. And I will hear all the naysayers, you don't own a home, the bank owns the home, et cetera, et cetera. Let me just bring this to you. A mortgage is a 30-year commitment, right? Children are a lifetime commitment. If you spend 30 years of your life paying off of a mortgage and then you own a home, because now we can't debate it, right? It's not the bank's home, it's your home. And you're able to provide that home to your children. They start ahead of the starting line. They're able to come to the table and have a home because the biggest expense we all spend is on living. So if you have a home that is paid off or very near to being paid off that you can give to your children when you die or give to your children when you retire and they can live in it and your your next generation of of children who at this point are now in their late 20s, early 30s are able to then step into home ownership. They can own a home and not have to pay market rent for something, not have to save up $20,000 so so that they can buy their own home. Instead, they can take equity out of the home that you left them, right? And get get the 20,000 there and go buy another home and and begin their journey into into building a generational passing down for their children. But it sets you up uh, it sets you up at a different point on the race if you already have that. So while people say, oh, you know, a home ownership is a trap, it's et cetera, I disagree. Because had my mother felt that way, that she didn't need to buy a home for all those reasons, when she died when I was 19 years old, I wouldn't have had a place to live. Because where was I going to go and find a place to live at 19 years old with no job? Where was I going to? I was still in college. I had a home. And I had a home that was almost, at the time when she died, her home was almost paid off. And so my sister and I did not have to think about where we were going to live. We, we had a place to live. That part was secured. You know, when she died, and again, I wasn't finished with college, and my sister was very young in her early 20s. It's like you have this one stable thing that we were able to hold on to and say, okay, if you don't have to think about where you're going to live, that's a good way to get you out. So I was able to make a lot of decisions knowing I never had to think about where I was going to live. So I was able to say, okay, I'll live here for a little while, save up my money, and then I'm going to move and go to grad school. I'm going to stop working for a year and a half and go to grad school. 
because I didn't have to think about where I was going to live, right? And because of that, I was able to, I, I own this home now. My sister and I were able to deal with that. Like, these are the kind of things that put you, set you apart. My mother didn't know she was going to die at such a young age. She died at 45. But she bought this house when, when she was, when I, I mean, I had to be, my mother had to be in her late 20s, I believe, or, or her early, at least 30 when she bought this home. So she was, she was thinking about the, her own future, I'm sure. But what it turned out to be was that she was able to leave something for her children. And so her legacy lives on through the fact that she was able to leave something for her children, which put her children at a better position so that then we can move forward without having to kind of um, be in, in a, at a disadvantage. And so homeownership has its advantages. I think that, you know, I chose to focus this podcast not on how do you get the 20% up because we've done that in many different forms and variations. I have many episodes about how to save, how to save towards a savings goal, how to save just for an emergency fund, how to save. And a lot of times saving for a large goal like a home requires some really different level and we can have another podcast discussion about that. But I wanted to talk today about the importance of home ownership and that there's a value in home and property ownership that cannot be understated. And that when we talk about what Robert Smith was able to do with those with those young men in Morehouse as far as removing that student loan debt and removing that burden, he was setting people up for generational wealth going forward because they weren't they weren't tied down to that kind of debt. And home ownership for yourself now sets up your children in the future for a, a relief from what can be the beginnings of of setting up a trap for debt if they're looking to to rent or they're looking to try to scrounge up the $20,000 for their own um, down payment on a home. So, you know, it, it, it gives you, it gives you that type of opportunity. And so to make that investment now for your future, it does have value and your future may not be your future. Like I said, for my mother, her, the future wasn't hers. The future was her children's future. And so she had made a decision that was going to set up her children for a future much earlier than I believe she, you know, than I'm sure she thought, but it, it happened that way. And she was able to set up a future for her children. And so again, sometimes the future you're, you're paving the way for, it doesn't turn out to be your own, but it is so much value to it for those who come behind you. So if you are a person with children, consider home ownership as a, as a gift to them, because even if you don't end up giving them that home, even if the home has equity in it, that's a way in which you can take equity out of your home and give them, gift them the down payment for their new house. Gift them that, give them that opportunity because you've already paved the way and paved the way, you know, as, as, as black people, Home ownership has been on a decline for us because there's been systematic things set up to stop us. But we have to take that back. We have to take back the, the opportunity of owning homes. We have to be willing to own a home in neighborhoods that we think, instead of fleeing our neighborhoods and going to other places, we need to start owning property in our own neighborhoods before other people come and snatch it away. Baltimore right now is, is going through this transition of, I mean, it's just abandoned. If you go into Baltimore, it's just rows and rows and blocks and blocks of abandoned homes. You know, it should be black people who Baltimore is a black city. We should be black people buying those properties in, in Baltimore right now where they're trying to sell them off for $2 and different things because they they just need someone to own these homes and other people aren't ready yet to come there because there's too much crime and all these things that are still there and Baltimore can't get its shit together as far as the city. But we, as people of color, we should be building funds. We should be building home um, property funds. Um, investment funds 
so that we can invest in our own neighborhoods rather than have other people come and do it. Wealth is built on property. Wealth is built on on being able to own, invest in that ownership, watch it grow, sell sometimes, or invest again. That is what wealth is built on. You know, we we can't, I saw these memes floating around, and it's the truth. I don't like when people kind of use this this type of stuff because it feels like it's a way to attack people who are poor. But, you know, you can't pass down, you know, shoes and I saw someone do they did like, I can't pass down shoes and, and clothes, handbags to my kids, but a home I can pass down. The thing of it is, is you can pass all of that down. And some of things have financial value and some things have emotional value. You can pass all that down, but we should be looking to pass down things that have fi- financial and monetary value to our children so that they can continue to grow so that they don't have to be shack- shackled and saddled with debt so that they are able to move and that every generation of us is not starting from scratch. That's what we want to avoid. And that's why I encourage home ownership so that you're not starting from scratch. Because no matter what, if you have a home that's being passed down to you or a piece of property that's being passed down to you, you're not starting from scratch. And in some instances for our people, we're starting in the negative. And that's what we want to avoid. We want to avoid that idea that we're starting from scratch or in the negative. And as parents, as the generation before, thinking about the generation coming forward, you want to make these decisions that aren't just for you, but for those coming after you. Because as in my mother's case, the future she was making didn't turn out to be her own but it turned out to be the best thing for her children. And we are the legacy of of her. We are the ones who are living and here beyond her time here on earth and her work and her hard work and dedication and her choices are what we're living through now. And so that can be what can be passed down for your children as well. I just wanted to cover that. I'm glad you um, were able to kind of walk through that with me on home ownership. It can be a little challenging and daunting and people have their reasons for why they don't want to own homes. But when you have... um, a desire to set up generational wealth, ownership is how you do that. So thank you so much for joining me today. Um, if you have any questions for me or you want to reach out to me, feel free to contact me my, and follow me on Instagram, Financial Emancipation. Follow me on Twitter at FIN Emancipation. Follow me on Facebook at Financial Emancipation. And if you have any questions for me, you want to email me, Malik, M-A-L-I-E-K, at thefinancialemancipation.com. Thank you again for joining me and I hope you'll be back next week as we continue to discuss the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Have a great day.